Let me take a moment, welcome those of you joining us online. Some of you are sitting at home right now in your pajamas, enjoying church. If you're in your pajamas right now, just wave at us. We can't see you, but I know some of you. I, 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 get, I get some of the funniest emails every week from people say, yeah, we were just sitting in our pajamas watching church, and it was wonderful. I tell you, I love meeting with the body, but we also appreciate the fact that we got this incredible opportunity through technology uh, to bring our whole church together, even if we can't all physically uh, be together at the same time. So I'm glad you guys are part of our online experience today. Uh, for those of you that I've never met before, my name is Aaron. I have the privilege of being the pastor here at Coastline Church. It's one of the highlights of my life. And if you're new or visiting our church today, if you're one of our guests, we're really glad that you chose to be here. And just thank you for coming. If you want any information about who we are, you can stop by the hub on your way out and they can answer any questions that you have. Uh, a few weeks ago, I talked about we're going to go a little bit old school, and so I'm asking everyone to bring your Bible and a journal to church. And so uh, if you got your Bible, just wave them. Wave them like you just don't care. Um, that was a song from the 80s. I just dated myself. <laughs> but this book is what we want to build our life upon as followers of Jesus Christ. And I love the digital Bible. I love the fact that I can, I can have a Bible on my phone or my iPad anywhere I go. But there's nothing like an old-fashioned paper Bible that you can mark up, you can underline, you can highlight, you can make notes in the margin of what God is doing in your life. And then the journal, I want to encourage you to take notes every week, not on what I necessarily say, but on what God is speaking to you about what I'm saying. The best notes to take is when God speaks to you in the middle of the message and, and he speaks something specific to you and what's going on in your life. And sometimes, I, I've seen this a lot, it never came out of my mouth. Like you wrote something down that you think you heard from me, but it wasn't me because I never said it. It was actually God speaking to you directly in the middle of a message, something specific to what you're going through in life. Those are the best notes to write down. There's something about being in an environment like this. It, it's God can do it when you're watching you know, something online or a blog, but there's something about being in an environment where we're corporately worshiping together. There's something about the atmosphere where it just opens, opens ourselves up to really hear from God in a clear way, and so I encourage you to do that. Mother's Day is coming up in a couple weeks, and if you'd like to honor your mother, we're asking everyone to text us a photo and a story or, or something about your mom to Coastline, the 760-493-6440 number. You can text us a picture and whatever you'd like to say about your mom. In the week of Mother's Day, we're going to be posting all week on our church Instagram, honoring the mothers of our church and the mothers of the mothers uh, of the people of our church. And so if you would like to honor your mother this Mother's Day, I want to encourage you to do that. Send us a photo and, and send us something that you would like us to say about her. And we're going to post it all week long on our Instagram as we get ready for Mother's Day. Well, I hope you did not wear sandals today. Uh, I hope you got some steel-toed shoes and boots on. Last week, I did my best to step on everyone's toes. I'm just warning you right now, it's going to be a little bit more intense today as we dig into this series on honor. It's the missing ingredient of our nation today. For whatever reason, we've lost a culture of honor, and it's why our, our country appears to be following, falling apart right now. It's more divided than it's ever been. And I'm not just talking about, you know, in America, outside of Christianity, even in Christianity today, in churches today, even in our own church today, we are so divided on issues that have nothing to do with eternity. They have nothing to do with the gospel. They have nothing to do with Jesus. They have nothing to do with heaven or hell. 
and we have become divided because we've been swept into these polarized sides of America that have nothing to do with our mission on earth as followers of Jesus Christ. And again, I'm not saying that you can't have an opinion. It, 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 that's, that's not what it's about. It's about where's the honor? Where's the honor? Where, how have we lost a culture of decency, respect, and honor and, and, and become so divided and allowed the division of the world, the division of politics, the division of science, the division of everything happening in the news and media to divide us as Christians. Jesus said, by this, everyone in the world will know that whether or not you're my disciple, your love for one another. He's talking about us. And, and right now, we're not loving each other all that well because this person doesn't believe this and how dare they believe that and why would they ever think that and why are they so ignorant about that? We're not loving each other right now because we've allowed the division of the world to infiltrate the church. And I'm calling our church back to honor. And the foundation of today's message is Romans 12. Love each other with genuine affection and take the light. Let's get some joy back in honoring each other. Let's take the light. Let's, let's find it our highest joy and our highest delight to honor each other. So again, last week we looked at where's the honor gone? Like what happened to America? Like we've lost a culture of honor and we now live in a culture of dishonor. We define honor as to add value, to add weight to something. And so the flip is also true. Dishonor is to take lightly. And that's what's happening today is we're taking some things lightly. We're not adding weight or value to things that God is calling us to honor. And I would say every, every issue of our society right now is an issue of honor. There's a lack of honor. There's a lack of respect happening in our world today. And it's causing America to crumble right now. Now, we can't change everyone else, but we can change ourselves. We can make a decision today to allow the grace of God to transform us from the inside out and be people of honor. Now, uh, let, me, let me give you a ground rule for today's message. Because we're so divided as a nation, because we're so divided politically, because we're so divided socially, and because we're so divided even in our own church about what we believe, here's the ground rule for today. You cannot apply this message to anybody else. This is for you and you alone, period. Because it would be very easy to take this message and say, well, the problem is they're not honoring me. They're not thinking about me. They're not, they're not, they're not. No, 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 no. You do not have permission to apply this message to anybody but you. This message is not a weapon in your hands to go beat the other side up because they don't think like you and they don't believe like you and they don't act like you. You do not have permission to do that. Is it clear? Okay. Let's get into it. Who do we honor? That's what we're going to look at today. The Bible has six very specific areas of honor that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to abide by. Peter says it like this in 1 Peter 2.17, show proper respect, proper respect, meaning you might be showing some respect, but it's not proper. It's not adequate. It's not at the right level. It's, it's respect, but it's too light. It's not weighty enough. There's not enough honor to the level of respect you're showing. And the reason I believe is not because we're evil, not because we're bad. I think, it, honestly, it's just because many of us have never been taught. We don't know what it looks like. Now, let me give a very, another ground rule for today's message. Ground rule number one 
is you cannot apply this for anyone else but you. This is not a weapon. Do not use this message as a weapon. Ground rule number two, anytime I teach on behavioral issues in Christianity, like there's principles throughout the New Testament that deal with our behavior, it would be very, very easy to take a message like this and turn it into a very religious, dead, lifeless rule book of this is how you need to behave. No, it's not about what you need to do, it's what you need to become. If you try to, to walk out of today's message and say, well, I need to clean up my act, I need to behave better, I need to do some things differently, you totally miss the message. What this is, is a picture of what it looks like when we allow the gospel, the grace to get hold of our heart and we become, become these things. It's not what we do, it's who we are. It's what we become. So don't walk out and try to change your behavior and clean up your act based on this message. Walk out and say, God, I need you to write this stuff in my heart. I need this to be who I am. I need to be a person of honor. I need it to be what I become, not what I do. Because if you become a person of honor, you will live honorably. Does that make sense? So don't, don't turn this into a rule book of how you need to behave or, or you'll shoot yourself in the foot. It won't work for you because it'll become a dead religion and dead religion is very difficult to do. We want a life-giving relationship with God. We want God to take His law, as the Bible says, and write it on our heart where it becomes who we are, our desire, our nature. The, it, it, it's what the book of James. When we went through James, James never tells you what to do. A lot of people look at James as a rule book. No, James doesn't tell you what to do. James shows you who you are first. And then after he shows you who you are, he shows you what it produces in your life. Now, now he, if this is who you are, here's what it produces, the type of person you will become. And that's what this message is all about. So six things. He says, show proper respect. And here's a very annoying word to everyone. Everyone, not, not the honorable. Everyone. Everyone. Everyone, meaning the people you disagree with, meaning the ones who you think are absolute idiots because they don't think and believe like you. Everyone, show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God, and look at this one, honor the king. Peter wrote that. Who's the king? Nero, the most wicked, evil emperor of the Roman Empire. He would go on to crucify Peter upside down. Can I tell you, you've never had a president as bad as Nero. Chances are you don't like the guy now or you don't like the guy we just had. That, that's just the chances. But I'm telling you right now, neither one of them were as bad as Nero. Neither one of them. We can show honor. We can honor the king even if we don't agree with everything they do. We can honor the king. Because when I dishonor somebody, especially somebody I've never met before, when I dishonor them, I'm not revealing who they are. I'm revealing who I am. It's not, a, it's not a reflection of their character, it's a reflection of my character. So I can disagree with somebody and still show them the proper respect, still show them honor. So six things the Bible clearly tells us to honor, and this is what you'll become when you allow the gospel to generate inside of your heart. It's going to go from broad to narrow. Here's number one, we just looked at it, honor others. Others, that's everyone. Who are the others in your life? Who are the other people? Who are the human beings that you come in contact with every week? That's who God's called you to honor. Honor every, Why? Because God took his DNA and placed it inside of every human being on earth. We all have the DNA of God. We were created in the image of God. We honor people because they have the DNA of God inside of them. We honor people because every person we ever meet, even the ones we disagree with, 
Even the ones who are on the other side of the fence politically, even the ones that are on the other side of the fence scientifically or socially or any other, they were made in the image of God and they are somebody that Jesus Christ went to a cross and he died for. So we're going to honor, and we've lost this. In our social media age where it's so easy to criticize everything and everyone and to be negative, we've become so dishonoring. And I want to say something right now, and you may actually disagree with me on what I'm about to say, and that's quite all right. You have the right to be wrong. I don't, I don't fault you for that at all. <laughs> Learning how to disagree and still be respectful. Um, we're creating a culture of dishonor in America through the video games we play. We wonder why there's all these mass shootings. Well, look at the video games we play. We've dis- desensitized an entire culture to shooting, violence, and death where it's not real to people anymore because we've, we've grown up, we've trained ourselves through the television shows and the movies we watch, how realistic and graphic the violence has become on film and entertainment. See, people died in movies in the 60s. It just didn't look like movies now. It's a totally different the way it's so realistic and graphic now. We've desensitized ourselves to the value of human life. As a nation, we've desensitized ourselves, our attitude, our disrespect for the unborn. Millions of babies every year aborted. And the logic of it makes no sense at all. New Zealand just passed a law that if you have a miscarriage, companies now are required to give you a few weeks of bereavement leave for a miscarriage. But the government also will finance and fund abortions for you. So what's the difference of a child dying in the womb? What makes it a child versus makes it a fetus, whether or not the mother wants it? Does that make any logical sense? So if a mother has a miscarriage, it's actually a child. If a mother chooses an abortion, it's a fetus. The the lunacy of that. Now look, if you've had an abortion, I want you to hear very clearly from my heart, I've made terrible mistakes in my life. I've done horrible things that has hurt my family, things that I regret. But the good news of God's grace is I have been forgiven from my past. I don't live in shame over the things I've done in my past, and that grace is available for you. You don't have to live in shame over any mistake you've made in your past. There is grace available, but we have to speak up for truth and for life in our nation because we have this culture of dishonor where we don't value life anymore, and then we wonder why we see what we see on the news week after week after week. But it's how we've programmed ourselves as a nation. Paul says in Philippians, don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Others before self. What would our nation look like if we adopted this as followers of Jesus Christ? If we live this way? You see, this is humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is not being insecure and having low self-esteem. Humility is simply thinking of yourself less. That's all it is. I don't put myself first. I think of others first. What, what would it look like if we lived this way? And I know it's hard because we have this Western, uh, individualistic 
view that is very foreign to a lot of nations in the world. See, a lot of nations, they have a collectivist view. What is good for the community? That's what's good for me. Here in America, we don't view what's best for the community. We view what's best for me. What do I want? What do I feel? What do I need? You can't tell me who I can be, what I can feel, who I... It's all about me. What would it look like if we begin to make it about others? Uh, University of Minnesota did some research few years back on the value of household chores. I'm about to help you parents a lot. They say when kids grow up doing chores, that it teaches them to be more compassionate, more kind, more caring, more well-balanced in society, but there's a direct correlation to the type of chores they do. If they do a chore that's just for them, clean your room, it only helps them a little bit, but if they do a chore that's good for the whole family, Take out the trash, help with the dishes, help set the table. If the chore serves other people in the family, there's a direct correlation to the level of compassion, care, and consideration they begin to develop as adults. So teach your kids to do chores. That's the value of that point right there. Honor authority. Honor authority. All of us have authority, and we need to thank God for it. What would the world look like without authority? I mean, we need to have speed limits. We need to have basic laws in our nation. We need law and order. We need to honor that. The God that you and I serve is a God of authority, and God only operates within authority structures. Look at the way Jesus taught us how to pray. What did Jesus say? Thy kingdom come. What is kingdom? Authority. A kingdom is authority. A kingdom, there's structure. There's an authority structure in every kingdom. The very basic level of prayer that Jesus taught us is a prayer of authority and understanding the mindset of authority in our life. Romans 13 puts it like this. Everyone, everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God. I know you don't like it all. It doesn't mean you have to agree with it all. Now look, if it ever comes to a point where they tell you you've got to deny Jesus Christ, like it's illegal to become a Christian, then take the death penalty. I mean, kill me, send me to heaven. But a lot of the stuff we're fighting and arguing over right now has nothing to do with our faith. We can disagree with something without being disrespectful. We can disagree and still honor because all authority comes from God. Well, what about what if the election was stolen? Well, what if the election was stolen? Does that mean this verse is no longer true? Does that give you permission not to follow this verse? And I'm not saying it is or it isn't. I'm just saying, come on, let's wake up. We have higher things to live for as followers of Jesus Christ. We have a higher calling, a higher standard that we are to be as, as Christians in this nation that is so crazy right now. Whether it was or it wasn't, all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. And again, remember, when Paul wrote this, this is the book of Romans. It was the Roman Empire. Very wicked, very evil, very corrupt authority. And Paul writes this. So he didn't write this 
you know, under George Washington and the founding of America when everything was pure and good, he wrote this under the Roman Empire. So what excuse do we have? We honor authority. Now, there's four types of authority that all throughout Scripture, when we honor these levels of authority, there's a blessing from God that comes into our life. And so I'm going to go through them quickly with you. Government, we already talked about that. We have a king. Our attitude towards them is absolutely critical. We can disagree. You can disagree. There's, there's no problem with you disagreeing and not liking certain decisions that they do. The question is, can we do it in a way where we still are a person of honor? Still be a person of honor. Workplace, school. We all have either, like if we're in school, we have authority, we have teachers, we have principals. If we're in the workplace, we have, we have bosses, we have managers, supervisors, board of directors. We have, we have different people we report to. Somebody is an authority in our life, and we have to understand honor and how to honor the people in authority in our life. Well, I don't like my boss. They're not a good boss. We can still honor. We can honor because it's a position that someone taught me years ago. You don't serve based on how you feel and how you're treated. You serve because it's the position God puts you in. If you have a job right now, it's because God allowed you to have that job. And we serve. Look, look what Paul says. He says, this is powerful. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Look, you may not like your boss, but you're not working for your boss. You're working for the Lord. How would you do your job differently if you understood that you're not working for your boss, you're not working for your supervisor, you're not working for your board of directors, you're doing it for the Lord? You don't always have to agree but we don't slander and, and we honor. We don't dishonor people. We don't badmouth our supervisor to co-workers. That's not what we do as Christians. It's not who we are. We honor because we're doing it for the Lord. Family. Almost all, the majority of verses in the Bible that deal with honor have to do with family structures. Honoring parents, and we're going to come back to that in a moment. Honoring our spouse, honoring family members. Why are we so good? I don't know if you ever thought about this. Why are we so good honoring people at their funeral and not during their life? Ever thought about that? Like, we're amazing honoring people at funerals. Here's the assignment that I want to give everyone today. If you haven't let somebody know what you would say at their funeral recently, write it on a card and give it to them. Don't wait for their funeral to tell them how you feel. They're not hearing it anyways. Take the opportunity now, and some of you haven't done it. Some of you haven't done this in a long time in your marriage. Just write a card on, on what you would say about them. At, you, don't have to, you don't have to say, I'm, I'm looking forward to saying this at your funeral one day. <laughs> Hopefully in the near future. Now, don't write that. <laughs> Just say, I want you to know, and, and, and whatever you would say about them at their funeral, write it on a card and give it to them now. Let them hear it now. Honor, honor. In our marriages, I don't, I don't know about you, but this is the, I'm preaching to myself right now. I, I am such a selfish human being. Like I go home, I don't want to put others first. I want to put me first. Like I'm, I've had a long day at work. I'm tired. I don't want to put the kids first. I don't want to put my spouse first. I want to put me first. It's so hard for me to to get this, and this is what I'm, I'm, I'm praying for daily right now in my life. God, help me figure this one out. 
Give me your grace. Give me, let me see the cross in such a clear way because the gospel will supercharge anything in your life. We'll come back at the end and I'll show you how that works in your life. But God, let me learn to do this. And then spiritual, spiritual authority. We all have spiritual authority. I've got pastors in my life that I submit to. They're the authority in my life. Paul says in Thessalonians, dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. Many of you have connect group leaders, you have go team leaders, you have people who are leading in your life in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and they give you spiritual guidance. Honor them. Honor them. 1 Timothy 5 says the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor. Now, now what are elders? Well, if you study the word elder in the Bible, elders are basically your, your staff of any church. Any church in the community, the elders would operate as the staff. Deacons would be lay leaders in the church. The staff would, would basically be your, your core leaders, not just paid staff, but your core leadership in the church. That would be a biblical elder. And then it says, especially for those whose work is preaching and teaching. Just kidding, I don't need it for myself. I, and, I, and I promise you, I didn't write that. That was Paul. Bible's trying to change our culture. And, and to be honest, I, I really was uncomfortable with this because it feels so self-serving. So see that last phrase. I just want you, I don't need this for me, but you need this for you. Like you need to have a church where you can do this so that you can receive more. Because there is direct blessings from God attached to this. I think about my pastors. One of my pastors who was here couple years ago, Rick Bazette, he'll be preaching here in a few weeks in this honor series. He was here, and remember we had the drums on stage, and I love heavy metal drums. I'm from the 80s, and, and, and nothing like good heavy metal. And I used to make the drummers do drum solos, and, and I love that stuff. Like, that, that was me. He said, you need to put the drums in a cage. They're too loud, and you're going to turn people away. And it, it wasn't my preference, but I immediately said, yes, sir. And two weeks later, the drums are now locked away. And it's been a positive change in our church. People have appreciated that change. They can still hear them, but it's not causing people to go deaf anymore. It wasn't my preference. It wasn't what I wanted, but I'm a person under authority. And one of my pastors and one of my overseers said, do it, and it was, yes, sir. Because I am one of the greatest strengths of my life is I know how to submit to authority in my life. Honor parents. Now, I'm giving you this as a separate item because the Bible gives it to you as a separate item. The Bible talks a lot about it. This is such a big deal. It even shows up in the Big Ten, the Ten Commandments. And I know you're thinking, well, that's Old Testament. That's under the law. We're not under the law. But Paul brings it out of the Ten Commandments into the New Testament. And here's the thing. We don't get rid of the law. We don't get rid of the Ten Commandments. We simply ask God to write it on our heart. That's what changes under grace. Under grace, I don't have to do it anymore. God takes it, writes it on my heart where it becomes my nature. It becomes who I am. It becomes the person I become because of the gospel in my life. So this is huge because people say, well, what if I don't have great parents? What if I had an abusive parent? What if I had a parent abandon me? What if I had bad parents? Well, it doesn't say obey your parents. Children obey your parents. So if you're still living at home, yes, there is an obedience factor involved. But for most of us here today, we're not at home. We're not under the children obey. We're under honor your parents. And you can honor somebody even if they weren't a good person. 
Jesus said, pray for those who curse you. Bless those who hurt you. So there is a way to honor somebody. And I know it's difficult. I've had to work through this in my own personal life. One of the things that kept me from becoming a Christian is I didn't want to forgive my father. And I've had to learn how to honor him despite the past. That doesn't mean you have to put yourself in harm's way again. It doesn't mean you've got to be in a relationship where you can be abused or manipulated or emotionally you know, abused in your life. But there is a way to honor. And look what Scripture says. Paul says this very clearly. Honor your father and mother, not because you feel like it, not because they deserve it. This is the first commandment with the promise. Now, we're to do it because it's the right thing to do. It's who we are as people. But Paul also attaches a promise to it. If you honor your father and mother, here's the promise, things will go well for you. And you're going to have a long life on earth. There is a blessing in this. There is a direct blessing on your life if you learn how to honor them, even if they weren't great people, if you can find a way to honor them. There is a blessing attached to it. Jesus honored people that were abusive to him. Jesus, hanging on a cross, said, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. He found a way to pray for the very people who were abusing him. To give them honor. The very people that were torturing and killing him. We can all do this. It is possible. Honor age. Now, here's one that's just been lost because we haven't been taught or trained. Honor age. Honor, honor the elderly, in other words. I was raised in a culture where we understood this. We, we knew how to treat the elderly. Our culture today doesn't know how to treat the elderly. I'm shocked at the amount of violence towards elderly people in the news over the last 12 months. Shocked. Yeah, it happened in the past, but it was very rare. Because there was a certain respect to the elderly that our culture had that we have now lost. And I don't think for many of us it's because we don't want to. I think we've never been trained. So let me give you some training. Here's what the Bible says. Leviticus 19. Stand up in the presence of the elderly. Stand up. If I'm in the back room and one of my pastors walks in, like if he's in town preaching and he walks in the room, I stand up. I'm not going to stay seated when my pastor walks in the room. And I'm not saying this, I'm saying this is, this is my overseer pastor. I stand up in his presence. When my mom, stand up. When an elderly person, stand up. I don't just sit there. I don't take it lightly, in other words. I give them some weight and I, I stand up in the presence of the elderly. Show respect for the age. Fear your God. I am the Lord. So let me give you some, some, some general guidelines. At dinner, let the elderly go first. Give them the best seat. Give them preference. Listen to their wisdom. They've got wisdom. They've made mistakes you can learn from so you don't have to make it yourself. One of my dreams is to see some of our elderly people in our church lead connect groups. Titus 2 says, let the older women teach the younger women and let the older men teach the younger men what a beautiful model for connect groups in our church. Get around somebody who has a little bit more life experience than you. 
Get around somebody who's got more wisdom than you instead of this culture of disrespect. I know some of you are thinking, well, they're so outdated. They don't even know how to use an iPhone. Yeah, but that's all you know how to do. Job says this, wisdom belongs to the age and understanding to the old. I'm telling you right now, they're smarter than you. I'm trying to save you some, some heartaches in your life. Get around some wisdom. Show the proper honor, respect. Here's number five, honor nature. Let's treat God's creation with respect. Let's treat it. Why? Because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness therein. What does this look like? What does it mean? Now, I'm not talking about going to some extremes. I don't even understand some of the extremes out there about, you know, I mean, I'm not going there. You know what I'm talking about. I'm not going there. I'm simply saying as a follower of Jesus Christ, we don't litter. We don't waste. We take care of our world. We, we value what God has given us. God told us to in Genesis 1, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Govern it. Steward over the planet that I've given you. Take care of it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Reminds me of a joke I heard the other day. There was an atheist, and he was out walking in nature, just admiring the beauty of everything. Beautiful mountains, beautiful streams. Everything is so beautiful. What a, what a beautiful creation. All of a sudden, this giant grizzly bear comes out of nowhere. Starts attacking this atheist, about to make him his snack. And the atheist in that moment cries out, Oh God, help! And time freezes. And God says, out of the sky, my entire, your entire life you've denied my existence. And now, in this moment, you call to me for help. And the atheist thinks about it. He says, yeah, it is kind of hypocritical, isn't it? He goes, okay, well, well, I don't know if I can necessarily ask you to help me or become a Christian, but maybe you could make the bear a Christian. So time resumes, and the bear going to attack the guy drops his paws, puts them together, and says, Father, for this meal I'm about to enjoy. <laughs> Anyways... Let's move to the last point quickly. We've got to close. Honor God. Honor God. Come on, pastor. That's a little bit obvious, isn't it? Yeah, but how many of us don't really take this one seriously? Do we really know what it means to honor God? Do we really know how, how do we do this? How, how do I honor God? Well, there's only two applications for it in Scripture. Only two. We honor God with our body, and we honor God with our possessions. Let's look at these two. With your body. We honor God with our body. Here's what Paul says. 1 Corinthians 6, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body, not because God hates it more than other sin, but because it hurts us more than other sins. It damages you more. That's why, God, that's why God's so passionate about this, because he gave you this beautiful gift, and when you damage it, it hurts you. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. 
It's not your body to decide. It's not your body. If you're a believer, Jesus Christ, with his blood, purchased you, bought you. You don't belong to yourself. You don't get to decide anymore. It's not, it's not your body. It's his body. And we are to honor God with our bodies. And the other one is with our possessions. Honor me with your possessions. Remind me, God says, with your generosity, how you feel about me. I want to know with your possessions where I rank in your life. Here's the way Solomon, the wisest person that ever lived, put it. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth. With the first fruits of all your crops. It's always the first too, by the way. One of the things that you've heard me teach in the church is when we tithe as followers of Jesus Christ, it's not 10%. Tithing is not 10%. It's the first 10%. Giving God 10% at the end of the month because I had it left over is not a tithe. God gets the first 10%. The first is his. And I honor him. I give him weight and value in my life when I honor him with the first of all that I receive. Deuteronomy puts it like this, bring this tithe, and the word tithe again means 10%, to the designated place of worship. Where do we all go every week to worship God together? The designated place. The place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. Doing this will teach you to always fear the Lord your God. One's translation says it will always teach you to put him First, what we need to understand about the tithe is the tithe is not about money. The tithe is simply God wants to know where he ranks in your heart. That's all he wants to know. What place do I have in your heart? Have you ever had someone say thank you and their heart wasn't in it? Because they had to say thank you. Like maybe their mom said, tell them thank you. Thank you. And their heart's not in it. How does it feel when someone says thank you and their heart's not in it? Well, here's what Jesus said about our heart. Where your treasure is, your wealth, your money, there your heart will be also. How can we sing songs to God? I honor you, God. I honor you, God. I honor you, God. But there's no treasure. There's no wealth. That's saying I honor you, but my heart's not in it. Why? Because my heart follows my money. Jesus is very clear about this. Wherever you invest your money, that's where your heart's going. That's what you become very passionate about. You buy a certain stock, all of a sudden you're seeing how that company's doing every day. You never checked on that company before. Now you got money with that company, you want to know how they're doing. Why? Your heart is with it. And so when we honor God with our wealth, we put our heart in it. And that's what God's saying. So how do we do this? Well, again, I said, this is not about behavior. Don't leave today thinking, I need to clean my act up. I got a lot of areas of my life that I need to fix, that I need to clean. It's, it's not the point of this. This is all about, here's a picture of who we become when we allow God to take honor and write it on our heart. How do we allow God to put honor on our heart? How do I live a life where I put others above myself? It's the gospel. When I allow the gospel to collide in my heart, it turns a spiritual engine on where this becomes who I become. Not what I do, but, but who I am. What is the gospel? Well, the gospel is these two competing thoughts. And when you allow these two competing thoughts to crash inside of your heart, it'll begin to transform you. It'll change you. 
I know people who've meditated on the gospel and stopped smoking without trying and didn't even know they stopped. Like they smoked for years. All of a sudden they woke up one day and they said, I haven't had a cigarette in like two weeks. When did I stop? They didn't even notice they stopped. Why? Their heart was changing. See, the goal of Christianity is not learning how to control your behavior. The goal of Christianity is to allow God to change your heart because when your heart changes, your life changes. How? The gospel. So what is the gospel? I am far more wicked and far more evil than I ever wanted to imagine. Now look, I know that's tough for you because we don't want to consider ourselves as evil. We don't mind considering ourselves as bad. I know I'm a bad person, but evil, that, that's another level. Like, I don't want to think about myself as being evil. Like, I know I'm bad. I know I've done some bad things. But the evil people, that's like Hitler. You know, until you understand how evil you really are, let me put it like this. When Adam and Eve took a bite of fruit in the garden, was it bad or was it evil? For most of us, we just want to say, well, it was wrong. It was bad. They shouldn't have done it. We don't want to admit the fact that it was actually evil because if I admit what Adam and Eve did was evil, then I've got to take a hard look at my life. And I don't want to. I don't want to, I don't want to consider the possibility that I might be evil. I know I'm bad. But I really don't want to consider the possibility that I might be evil. But I want, you to, I want you to understand the truth. The truth is, you are so evil and you are so wicked that only the death of the Son of God could save you. I mean, think about it. If you were just bad, God could have sent an angel. You weren't just bad. We were so evil that the only hope we had was God allowing His own flesh and blood Son to die on our behalf. So that's the one thought. Here's the second thought. I am so loved and so accepted that God was willing to do it. See, the first thought is, I'm so evil that only the death of God's Son could save me. The second thought is, I'm so loved and I'm so accepted, more than I ever hoped for, more than I ever dreamed for, that God was willing to do it. When you meditate on those two thoughts, when you, that's the gospel, when you allow those thoughts to collide in your heart, it becomes easy to put other people first. It becomes easy to, to think about others' interests over your own interests. A culture of honor begins to be born inside. So if you look at this list of these six things and you think, man, I really struggle in those things, don't go try to change your behavior. Start meditating on the gospel. Allow those thoughts to collide inside of your heart and watch something begin to transform inside of you. Watch God take his law and begin to write it on your heart and you will become someone who is incredibly bold and incredibly humble at the same time and you will live out honor. And when you become a person of honor, you will live honorably. Would you close your eyes with me for a moment? Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I know that this is a tough message for many reasons. But it's critical right now at this juncture in America. We need to regain our saltiness. We need to regain our light. And we need to preserve this nation that feels like it's crumbling around us. But we can do our part to allow you to transform us from the inside out into a person of honor so that we can begin to live honorably. In Jesus' name, would you stand with me? 
Again, if you gave your life to Jesus today during worship, let somebody know on your way out. We're going to close with one song of worship, and then we'll be dismissed.